Ryan. Welcome to the Greenhouse Talent Makers Studio. We're live right now interviewing forward-thinking leaders on every side of the hiring process. Great hiring is not just the result of great recruiters working their magic. It's a company-wide commitment that's vital to building amazing workplaces. And it all starts with our leaders. At Greenhouse, we know that great leaders are talent makers. They understand what it takes to elevate hiring to a strategic capability that pushes the business forward. And it's not easy. That's why we've asked some brilliant folks to join us and share the challenges they've overcome and the lessons that they've learned on the way to aligning their people strategy to their business strategy. So join me and get ready to learn what it means to be a talent maker. I'm here with Shauna Garrity, VP of Global Talent at TalkDesk. As the first U.S. employee at TalkDesk, Shauna initially helped scale their marketing team from the ground up. In 2016, she was tapped to build TalkDesk's talent acquisition function and has helped scale the company to over 650 employees in six offices globally with a $1 billion plus valuation. Shauna has a doctorate in clinical psychology and has applied foundational knowledge from the field of psychology to help propel TalkDesk along its hypergrowth trajectory. Welcome, Shauna. I'm so glad you're here with us. To kick things off, tell us a little bit about what you love about working at TalkDesk. So um, TalkDesk for me, when I, when I joined, I, I realized it was kind of a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Um, I understood the potential of the product in a, in a huge market. Um, but the thing I loved the most about it really, truly was the people, right? It was a bunch of passionate people um, that were, were working hard and all kind of rowing in the same direction. And it was something that I really wanted to be a part of. Um, and the reason that I stay is still the people. So now um, in, in a talent acquisition role, I'm able to uh, not only attract world-class talent, but bring them into the organization and, and watch them firsthand make an impact, not only on our product, but um, you know some of the things that we're doing when we go to market as well. You mentioned it, you recognize that it was a once in a lifetime opportunity. That's a cool thing to experience as you're coming into the organization. And now I imagine you're like constantly making sure that candidates feel that same thing. How do you kind of capture that, what you learned in that experience and work with the rest of your business leaders to make sure that prospects know that all the time and feel that same kind of magic. So um, what we do from a recruiting side is we craft kind of our pitch. And what I say is that no pitch is the same, right? No two pitches are the same. So um, what we ask not only our recruiters to do, but all of our hiring managers to do is to think about what is unique about our organization that sets us apart from the competition. So the competition, um, the competitive landscape in our in, in where our product is positioned, but also in the talent market. Um, and then take those core tenets and then build that into um, kind of what sets us, what what would be compelling for that individual um, in this role. So you're shaping it individually for each kind of candidate that comes through or at each department as they think about what makes them special in that landscape. Exactly. So it's not just the organization, but it's, it's the role within the organization, um, how they can be part of our growth trajectory, but also um, how they could potentially add value to that to that team or department. Do you, how do you um, get feedback on it and iterate on it over time? Like, how do you know it's working? 
And I, I tell my recruiters, you know it's working when at the end somebody says, wow, that's amazing, right? And so there's usually like a, 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 a cue that the candidate will give you. Um, and I think for us, um, one of the things that we, we make sure of is that we not only create velocity in the process, but that we reduce candidate-initiated drop-off. So um, it's really important that our, our recruiters are the ones that are qualifying them out um, versus the candidate pulling out of the process. Um, and so you know if you've minimized candidate-initiated drop-off that that person's excited about the opportunity and they're moving through the funnel with velocity. A doctorate in clinical psychology and the practical work you have done could seem out of reach for even the most high-achieving HR talent leaders. Um, what are the three takeaways that you could share from that academic world that you were so steeped in that people and your peers at other companies could apply today? It's a great question. So in clinical psychology, I'm often interacting with patients and um, engaging in really structured clinical interviews. And so when I moved into this role, what I did was, is I realized the importance of that um, in, in informing a clinical diagnosis and how we could do the same or apply some of those same principles in talent acquisition to inform whether or not that person would be a good bi-directional fit for the organization. So um, the one takeaway is creating a very standardized and structured process and that you're asking the same questions to the same candidates. Um, the, the next is when we're informing um, or when we're creating a diagnosis, we're taking data from multiple different data points um, and multiple sources of data. And the same is true or should be true in recruiting. So not only should you rely on interview feedback, but also, um, you know, we, we have what we call an in vivo challenge, which is a challenge that assesses goodness of fit for the role. So we'll um, look at the performance within, within that piece as in other other forms other forms of um, assessing fit um, and then I would say a third is that part of the key to success is in, in clinical psychology is, is developing rapport as early as possible. And um, there's a lot of training that we do on how you can develop rapport. Um, what I say is the most important thing is to be genuinely interested in that individual. If you have this genuine interest in, in that person, how they live their lives and what's important to them, then that, that, authentic, that, that connection is authentic and real. And the same is true in interviewing as well. Um, with candidates, sometimes you only have a few minutes to develop rapport. And if you're genuinely interested in them as a human and um, what they care about, then then you can develop that rapport really quickly. I had never made the connection before, but like very much so recruiting is an, an art and a science, right? It's about this human that's unique on the other side of the process. And you're trying to understand them and what makes them tick and like how to get them to the place you want them to be. But there's a ton of science and rigor that you need to put into the process and how you operationalize it and not assuming that it's so you every every rec you run is so unique that you couldn't possibly standardize it. And I imagine that like having that background of treating a human, a human in clinical psychology as a science has like really enabled you to see both sides of that equation. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Every, every rec that we run is standardized. Um, and we run the same process for every role, every level, every geo. Uh, there's, there's some, uh, there's a bit of, um, like local flair that we can add to it to, to, to optimize for that talent pool. But in general, every single candidate has that same experience. Was that the case when you first took over the talent acquisition team? Was it already structured in that way? So when I moved into the role, we didn't have talent acquisition. We had scaled talk desk to 120 employees, and we didn't have anyone in talent or HR. And so um, I, at the time, our COO asked me to move over from marketing to establish that function. And so I was in that perfect position to build something from the ground up. Um, and, and I think for me, that was a unique experience probably, um, but also I understood the importance early on. So I literally took a month to build out our process to train the organization on that process 
Um, and then I, I deployed it myself. I was the only hire on our talent team for the first about six months. Um, so I wanted to make sure that it worked and, and, and it did. And then, and then we started to scale it from there. Was there any, um, like, unexpected change management or resistance to standardizing oh, something like yeah. hiring? Yeah. It took us almost a year to train, a year, probably a year and a half to train the entire organization um, exactly end to end because our process is really robust and there are multiple steps throughout the process. And basically what we did is we created a wiki. Um, and so we went, we, we trained all of our managers. Anytime we have a new manager, we train them as well. Any new interviewer, we train them. But a lot of what we do is redirect to the process. If mm -hmm. they deviate from the process in any way, we're redirecting them back Back to the back to the process using the wiki, and also our recruiters are empowered to have those conversations. They they literally have them on an hour hourly basis, um, and I'm that's most of my job right now is still redirecting back to the process. Um, and so it's a lot of fun, but we now have a culture where everyone um, within the organization understands the importance of recruiting and talk to us. They understand our process, and they know if they deviate from the process that we'll catch them and um, we'll put them back on track. Um, but it's it's worked out phenomenally. I think that in a lot of organizations, structuring recruiting seems somewhat aspirational. The idea of like having set stages, having specific skills you're testing for, submitting feedback to the recruiting team seems like a great idea and also sounds really hard. In that process of getting to a place where you feel like, yep, we like have a process, it's, it's nailed down and I can always refer people back to it. What are some like lessons learned or like tips that you would give a, a team that was trying to figure out how to move their org in that direction? I think um, for me, I had to have confidence in the process and I had to know that it, that it worked and I had to know that it was a tool that our recruiters could rely on um, to have those really um, challenging conversations with hiring managers. Um, and so I think one lesson that I learned was to, to be on the front lines myself, to make sure that I was um, a recruiter myself and, and, and recruiting recs and that I understood exactly what it took to, to make sure that we're bringing top talent into the organization. And as soon as I built that confidence, then I knew that I can convey that to our hiring managers um, and to our recruiters and say, it works, right? If you follow the process, um, then we know it's going to result in top talent. Um, I did it for my, my first full year on the job, and I was the best recruiter within our organization, and I had no background or experience in talent acquisition. Um, and so if I can do it, you can do it too. Um, and so that would be my, my advice, right? So develop something that you think works for your organization using an ATS that, that allows you to kind of have that standardized process and then um, convey that with conviction across your organization. It's just stand behind. I had to stand behind it a lot. <laughs> yeah. Be like willing to dig, dig in a yeah. little bit. And it sounds like what I've heard often is like figuring out a way to run a test, whether it's with yourself or like picking a hiring manager or department head that is most inclined to want to structure something and get a lot of data out of the process, like run a little bit of a controlled pilot where then ideally you have some outcomes at the end where you can demonstrate that like, look, this works. Like it's worth the effort. It's, it's worth what you'll put into it. Yeah. That's, that, that's a good point. So we're just going through a process of restructuring now, um, our technical challenge or technical review process for our engineering org. Um, our engineers right now take about 50% of our headcount. So it's a lot. We're looking to hire a thousand engineers or have a thousand engineers, um, on board by the end of next year. Um, and so in order to, to meet that scale within a really challenging market, we had to really kind of think, think critically about the process 
that we had in place. Um, and so what we did was is we tested a, a, a new tool and a new process with a really circumscribed group. We made sure that um, that group was in three different locations. So it was a representative sample. Um, and then we put um, candidates through that process. And basically what we had to do was prove that our new process and our tool was able to effectively select goodness of fit or high quality candidates for our organization without um, qualifying out folks that could potentially be a good fit. And so we ran that pilot for a few months. Um, with the help, we partnered with our engineering organization. And then once we were all confident in our results, we were able to, to scale that. So it was really interesting to kind of, um, you know, even though I came from the ground up to, to think critically about some of the things um, that uh, were breaking as we scaled um, to, to how we can iterate on them, make them better. Is it is it a secret sauce? What was the kind of main tweak that helped you feel like you were improving identifying quality of hire? Um, so for us, it, it was less about making so historically, our um, technical challenge was phenomenal at a, a identifying goodness of fit for the organization. But the main barrier was the, the time it took to deploy that and the engineering resources that we were taking off of being productive for the organization. Um, and so we thought of ways to, to optimize that um, in order to um, to scale it a little bit more, more globally or widely. Um, the other thing that we did, so essentially we're reducing the candidate's time uh, in technical challenge and our engineering resources on technical review of that challenge. Um, the other byproduct of that is that we in introduced a little bit more standardization so that um, if engineering hiring manager A is in one location, we're calibrating them essentially against engineering hiring manager B in a different location with a different team, um, different level and seniority. So um, for us, I think it, it, it was like the best of both worlds solution. I've uh, seen you talk about three pillars of a successful talent org before. Tell me about those pillars. How did you arrive at them and why do they work for, for your org? Oh, um, when we started, when I started the talent acquisition function, I thought, um, what what are some of the core tenets that we knew we needed within our organization um, that we could all drive towards to arrive at um, our ultimate goal, which is hiring the best talent in the world? And I thought that if we could optimize efficiency, effectiveness, and the candidate experience, um, that will allow us to hire the best talent. Um, and so what I did was is I, I made sure that we had a team that owned that piece. And my first hire was a talent operations individual. And now we've scaled that team to a talent operations function, which is global. We have a talent ops person in each of our six offices, and then we have a talent operations manager. And their entire goal is to help us optimize efficiency, effectiveness, and the candidate experience. But above and beyond that, the recruiting organization knows that they're working towards that. And then we built KPIs along each of those pillars that we report back not only to our recruiters, but to our hiring managers and the business to let them know how we're doing with, with each of those pillars. How do you get business leaders involved? There's like certainly a responsibility for hiring managers or business leaders to make sure that the team can operate efficiently, like can drive a great candidate experience. How do you get them bought into that as one of their kind of responsibilities of being a leader inside the organization and get them excited about their duties inside each of those pillars? So I think what I've noticed is that, you know, Talk to Us is a little unique in that um, we've scaled so quickly that all of the heads of, of functional units, they needed that talent, right? They were dying for talent. We've always been behind in our forecast, right? In hiring 
hiring. And um, we've always positioned our talent acquisition team as a, as a strategic business partner. Um, and so there's it's very rare that a hiring manager comes to me and says, hey, where's my candidates? Or how come I can't place this hire, right? It's a, it's a shared responsibility and it starts with the top. We work, we partner with our CEO, we partner with um, all of our department heads um, and they know in order to close top talent, we've got to create velocity in the process. They know that if a recruiter screens a candidate that we expect a response within 24 hours, but usually we expect a response in about an hour or so, um, whether it's a thumbs up or a thumbs down and we can move forward in the process. They also know that if we can't close a candidate about four or five days, Slack's right behind us. Salesforce is right across from us. Box is right next door. Our main competitors on the other side. We are literally in talent wars. Somebody else is going to close them for us. So um, that's created this urgency, I think, across the entire business. And so everyone knows what's expected of them in the process and how we can all arrive at that same goal, which is hiring the best talent in the world um, in, in all of our six locations. Tell me about that closing partnership. So between the hiring manager and the recruiter, what's the the method and making sure that they're kind of in lockstep and able to, cl- I mean, like you just described a very fierce talent landscape, which is really real. And especially when you're hiring in the Bay Area, how do you make sure that they're optimized to, to close as best as possible? So for me, it starts with, we call it the new position kickoff. So before we even open a rack, we um, require that the hiring manager submits new position kickoff homework, which is describing all the cr- key criteria that they're looking for in the role. The success criteria also gives us an example. They, they have to give us an example of five ideal profiles that they found within LinkedIn. They write our, the job description for us. They're really thinking critically about the role. What they're also doing is they're including the location, the budget, the career trajectory, what the first 30, 60, 90 days look like on the job. Um, and then um, essentially the pitch. What is the hook? Why would somebody be compelled to take this opportunity versus one of our competitors? Um, and so what I've told my recruiters is, you don't set up the new position kickoff until you have the homework in your hand and you don't leave that room until you two are aligned completely on what success looks like. That also includes the level, seniority, and the compensation package. Um, and then what we're doing throughout the entire process is recruiting alignment and we're qualifying out candidates that are missing on some of those core criteria, including compensation. There are a number of candidates that we love, but that are just outside of our budget. We don't want to move forward in the process. We're very transparent. We'll let them know. Um, and so then at the end, and um, we, since we've qualified out candidates throughout the entire time, we've also been engaging in, in really, really strict qualification of candidates throughout the process. We know with beyond a reasonable doubt that that person's going to accept our offer. We already know um, that they're within budget. We already know that we've leveled them within the organization based on their background criteria and qualifications. Um, we already know that they're excited about the opportunity and that they're probably going to accept at that number. And so within the U.S., our offer acceptance rate is, is around 95%. It's Phenomenal. Um, but the only reason why we've done that is because we've taken the time in the front end um, to make sure that we're all aligned in the process and that we're qualifying throughout the entire funnel. 95% is certainly something to aspire to. It's amazing. Yeah, that's wonderful. How do you talk about a coherent talk desk culture, particularly when you're navigating a truly international and fast growing workforce? What's the work of the people team there? We're on the front lines, right? So um, <clears throat> what was interesting about TalkDesk is we've gone through periods of growth, um, periods periods of growth, um, rapid growth, rapid scaling, and that is not a good fit for everyone, right? And so what we try to do is be really open and honest and transparent on the front end about what it's like to work within our organization. Um, but we went through a period of time where we, we saw high attrition, higher attrition than we wanted to. And what was interesting is during the same time, I'm not sure if that was what was the compelling event or if it just happened to be, we held a leader 
leadership offsite where we concretize our values. Um, because what we noticed, or what I noticed at least in recruiting, is that we had this like company narrative that that everyone you know knew. Uh, but um, when I when I overheard conversations with candidates, they all had their unique flares. And I thought, okay, why don't we sit together in a room and think about what what is truly unique about our organization? What is core in our DNA that has allowed us to be successful? Um, and moreover what defines someone who's successful here and what separates them from the ones that we're, we're losing within the organization that, that aren't necessarily a good fit? Um, and how important that was in articulating that early on in the process and then incorporating those into our scorecards. Um, so we spent a full day, leadership offsite, defining our core values. Um, and then what we've done is we built them back into the scorecards as, as scorecard constructs. Um, so not only are we assessing candidates on, on, on goodness of fit for the role, but we're also thinking about whether or not they're going to add value to our organization organization, um, and they're going to be excited about some of the things that we're really excited about. Um, and then the most important thing is that we articulated that value, those values and those narratives globally. Um, and so it's not enough just to have a leadership, leadership offsite to define those values. The recruiters really, truly have to internalize them. People have to make sure, they, they have to be excited about them. Um, and, um, you know, there's a lot of different things that we do within each office to make sure they're top of mind. But I think most importantly is that we make sure that each of our offices never, their values or what's unique to them never clash or conflict with our corporate values that we've defined within the organization. Um, and that's that, that can be challenging at times, but I think it, that's also where the, where the fun is. Um, and for us, we, we have a very lean HR organization. We're a lot more um, heavy, heavily skewed towards recruiting. So recruiters are mostly on the front lines of that. It's really interesting that you were able to connect attrition, which is a lagging indicator of health of an organization, and take the data from the recruiting team, which is on like the very front end of who's coming in and how they perceive your employer brand, and connect those two things. Um, how do you make sure that the recruiting team surfaces things that they're learning like that, that those patterns that they are on the front lines hearing about make their way up to the executive team and can be actioned like that? First thing that I've done is um, I've incentivized that behavior by building metric around it. So one of the metrics that we communicate um, to, on a quarterly basis to the business is churn. Um, and I'm looking at attrition at the three-month mark, which I classify as a mishire. If someone churns within the first three months, then we as an organization, um, you know, we, we made a mistake in the hiring process. Um, and so I actually claw back that, um, you know, that hire from the recruiter. So they're actually incentivized to not make that mishire. So as a hiring manager. And then I, I distinguish that from churn at the one year mark. Beyond one year, then um, you know we're, we're we're thinking that that's you know someone's someone's like choice and willingness to leave the organization. Um, and then, so it starts with that. The other thing that I've done is I've made sure that um, we've we've had this like bi-directional communication with our executive team. So I sit on our steering committee, which is essentially um, all of our all of our, our leaders, our high, the leaders of all of our functional units, um, with our our executive team. Um, and on a bi-weekly basis, we're communicating what what we're learning from the front lines. We have actionable intelligence that we're gathering on a daily basis that our CEO and our executive team uses to drive company strategy. And they rely on us for that information. So I've, we've created ways to capture that in a very structured way and for me to communicate it back um, up the chain. And, and we're using that literally on a weekly basis to decide, you know, what markets to dive into, what talent pools to tap into, what products to launch sometimes. Um, really, really critical information. Um, so it's a really nice partnership because they rely on us and, and we rely on them in the recruitment process as well. 
That's awesome. It, it really is muscle building. Like I feel like it's that first time of the first time that you surface a data point that feels like you're nervous to share, or like isn't the best news that comes up through recruiting. It's how that reaction happens and how it gets actioned that then creates the kind of cycle of like, oh, I know if I surface this, something will happen. It'll get fixed. It'll get, you know, people will dive into it and take it seriously. And so it just kind of keeps happening over time, which is the kind of culture that you try to create. TalkDesk's radical growth could also deliver a lot of strain on the organizational culture. Um, how has your team adapted and made sure to kind of be the team that TalkDesk today needs and not the one that it needed a year ago? We, the, our recruiting organization just also went through a period of rapid growth. So within the last quarter, we scaled from about 15 to 45 just within recruiting um, globally. And um, so what that required was not only um, for us as a team to come together to make sure that everyone that we've onboarded within our recruiting organization really like understood our process, really could could ramp as quickly as possible, um, but also it allowed for me, uh, me an opportunity to think critically about the processes that we put in place and whether or not they'd work at scale within our new offices, within new talent pools, and within new environments. Um, and so I'm using now that data or that feedback to, to make sure that what we're doing now is working. Um, we know that there are certain things that break at scale. Um, we've already encountered them, but what we try to do is get ahead of them. Um, so I um, I work really closely with our talent or talent operations organization, our FP&A organization, our executive team, and our hiring managers um, on a on a daily basis, but I also survey them on a quarterly basis, um, and we're capturing that data, like qualitative and quantitative data on their inter experience working with recruiting, um, and using all of that feedback to, to drive process improvements. I think something, so you were just talking about collaborating with different cross-functional executives, and I think something really interesting about your background is that it is so diverse. You've come through clinical psychology, you worked in marketing, and now you're in the talent world. Um, how... How do you think that experience shapes how you interact with the rest of the exec team and how kind of the talent team is able to operate inside of TalkDesk? I think um, I was really unique. So as as the first U.S. employee, I've really, from the beginning, partnered partner with our CEO. Um, and our CEO considers me as his right-hand person in a lot of ways. If something happens in the business, I'm usually the first to know. He'll tell me first. Um, and vice versa. If I'm learning information about the business that I think is important for him to know, I'm communicating that to him frequently. Um, whatever it is, the good, the bad, the ugly, he needs to know in order to, to understand kind of how to steer us in the right direction. Um, and so because of that tight coupling, I think that every, and also because I was involved in the hiring process of bringing in every executive after me, um, I already had that kind of like instant credibility, instant buy-in. What I was lacking was that expertise, right? And so um, one, one of the things I've done is I've, I've leaned on mentors, um, external to talk to us that are in the talent acquisition space, but also my team because they've been recruiters and they've been in the space longer than I have. They've worked for amazing companies um, to, to really just kind of get a pulse check to make sure that our, is what we're doing really best in class, best in breed? Um, can I push back this hard with this hiring manager? Can I communicate this way? Um, and that's given me, I think, the confidence to, to be able to, um, you know, to, to hold that position within the organization um, and also to hold hold my team to that, to that level and that standard. One of the pillars of being a talent maker is being a talent magnet, attracting great folks into the organization. And with kind of that perspective that you bring of having been through a lot of different types of functions and thought about uh, humans through a lens that isn't just about business, how do you 
interpret that into being a talent magnet? How do you make sure that like you are personally helping bring great folks into TalkDesk and maybe specifically on your team as well? So because of this period of rapid growth, I've, I've thought a lot about what's important in my team and how do I attract those individuals. And um, I, I, just, I just did a post on LinkedIn, but I just did an office tour. So I went to all six offices in two weeks um, and I left. I was on the flight home and I thought like, I just built the best team in the world. Our team just built the best team in the world. They're amazing people. They really, really, truly care about connecting with individuals and ensuring their success within the organization. Um, and it was like such a gratifying experience, but I was reflecting on like, well, how, how do we do it? How, how do we do it so quickly? Um, and I think for, for me, it was all about um, making sure that at least that core foundation, our early team was so excited and so passionate about Talk to Us and the organization through thick and thin, because a lot of those individuals have been with me or within the organization for two years and they've seen ups and downs. We had really terrible Glassdoor reviews for a while um, and they were so bullish about the opportunity, about the company that they, you know, they, they stayed. Um, and so I think for me, it came down, it came down to that. Um, the others, and so I always say that it takes three things to be successful within talent acquisition at TalkDesk. It is understanding the process and deteriorating to the process. Um, it's your attitude. So attitude in general. Um, and then it's really about kind of being learning oriented. So thinking about whether or not, um, you know, you have that growth mindset. Um, you're, you're looking at challenges and getting excited about them and seeing that as them as opportunities. So I think the core team, the team that kind of made it through the thick and thin, they had those three things. Um, they were able to perform in really challenging environments and, and they were a, a lot of the social proof that I needed to make sure that I can attract, um, continue to attract top talent. So um, yeah, so I, I just, I feel really grateful. I think that we built a, an amazing team and I think um, understanding what worked through that thick and thin was really important in helping me identify who would be a good fit to help us scale. Um, bad glass door reviews. That's super tough. How how did the organization address that? What did the process of realizing like Ooh, we got to do something about this and then doing something about it look like? Ooh, that was it was challenging. It was top of mind for us, right? So we um, I I would say at that period of time we had a very polarizing environment. So people either loved Talk Desk or if they left the organization they were very vocal about why they left the organization. Um, and I think Glassdoor is a fantastic tool, right, for us to be able to um, share our experiences and it's also a tool that candidates absolutely lean on heavily in the process. So, um, you know, we, we realized that it was impacting our ability to recruit the best talent in the world. And um, we realized it early on. It's, it doesn't take very long to know that it's impacting you, right? Because our candidates are bringing it up. Um, they're asking our executives in the interview process. They're asking our recruiters. Um, and so the first thing that I did is I put together um, a list of common themes for our recruiting, recruiting organization. And we basically went through objection handling training. So if a candidate asks you this, how might you reply to that? Um, and what I never did is said, you know, like, just say that that was an unhappy employee or that that's not true. Right. A lot of it was saying, like, absolutely. Right. This these are there's a there's a lot of truth within this. Um, and here's my experience or this is what we're doing as an organization to address that. So um, one thing that we've done is we've looked at external review sites and paired that data with our internal data that we've collected using CultureAmp. Um, we thought, OK, what what are the, the core themes that we should act on. Um, we can't address all of them, but we know that these things are important to our to our employees. Um, and so how do we as an organization address them in a 
way that um, you know communicates to the, to the company that we're willing to change and we need to change. Um, and I don't think, I mean, we, we saw a huge uptick within that year. I think just letting the employees know that we know it's a problem and we've got a plan or a solution or a plan that we're working towards was enough to kind of like ease the tension. Um, but um, overall, I think, you know, that was that was a huge, huge learning lesson for us and a huge turning point within the organization once we can get it back up above four. <laughs> that was our goal. Just get it above four and then we'll be OK. Um, and we were able to do that within a year, which is which was phenomenal. That's a really good insight, too, of it's not just like training the hiring managers or the executives on what the plan is or how to move that or like what they think the root cause problem was. Having every interviewer feel like they know how to tell the candidate, like set the story straight in a way that is transparent, but like real and authentic, too, is a, cha- a challenge that it sounds like you guys tackled really well. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. now 95% offer acceptance rate. So yeah. it worked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we did something right. <laughs> Shauna, thank you so much for joining us at the Talent Maker Studio. It has been amazing learning about your journey and role at TalkDesk, and we look forward to talking again soon. Thank you. Thanks for joining us in the Talent Maker Studio. Tune in to our next episode as we explore stories of how great leaders and managers at companies like VaynerMedia, TalkDesk, Alphabet, and Bevy are transforming business by changing their approach to hiring. You can also learn more by visiting greenhouse.io backslash talentmakers. makers.